0: you know it is one of those great examples where you have the clues the whole time you're just not putting them together
1: there may or may not be truth to the rumor that this was inspiration for Sheena was a man
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end they're like no 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 you think this is an horror movie you know don't try the gumbo Uh, uh,
1: that is your spoiler alert and boy that's annoying isn't it that was (laughs) annoying that was annoying noise i just made but that's good because i let there be no misconceptions we're going to talk about twist endings today and that means we're going to give them away (laughs) there will be spoilers wasn't that a movie by paul thomas anderson no (laughs) but it should be welcome welcome this is the Fright Club Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from Madwolf.com with a special guest today. We've been trying to get on the show for a while. We've finally done that. It's Andy Ussery from the Black Cat Shadow Podcast. Welcome in.
2: Hey guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a it's a great honor to be on part of your show today.
1: Oh well, thank you so much. It should be fun because we're talking about those twist endings. Now we've had a podcast before on just our favorite endings. Correct. But that is that is different. These are the twisty endings, and we'll talk about why. But first, we want to say thank you to everybody that came out and helped us enjoy the lighthearted comedy that is Baskin last time out. It is
0: a romp, isn't it? <laughs> in particular, I mean, there are a lot of people that came out, and Matt Weiner, our friend Matt Weiner. it was funny. He walked in the door, and George was like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, kick, kick, kick. Uh,
1: I <laughs> he told him. Li- he doesn't like the hard stuff. <laughs> no, he
0: doesn't. But I talked him into coming, and we sat with him to help him through it. But it held was- his hand. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the Buckeye from Michigan, he came out for it, so that's very cool. Good to have you at one of the tapings.
1: That is cool. And we also got a correction, a pronunciation correction. <laughs> Usually, right. I lean on you for the correct pronunciations, and this time, you messed it up because Silas pointed something out. Well,
0: so it was his idea that we include in our in our pretend co- podcast that we'll someday do uh, about Lovecraft, uh, a film that in- involved the word Cthulhu, which I mispronounced with a ch sound. So I, I apologize we're not big Lovecraft fans. So, but I've always loved the spelling of that word, but obviously I didn't know how to say it.
1: So it's Cthulhu. That's
0: yeah, according to Silas.
1: All right. Hope we didn't offend Cthulhu. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for that. So we're talking about twist endings today, and it's actually very timely because. Now, Andy, we were talking before we started uh, taping. You have not seen Jordan Peele's new movie, Us.
2: There's a family in our driveway. That's right. I have not seen okay. it. Yet, so well, I'm, it's only uh, been out,
1: at the time of we taped this, it's only been out a couple of days. So uh, yeah. you've got plenty of time. But the thing is, it has a nice twist ending, which we wouldn't dream of spoiling right now. But, you know, <laughs> awesome. if we if we revisit this topic down the road, that could that could make the list.
0: It could. And, and whether it does or doesn't, everyone should go see it. It's just glorious.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's a good movie with a good twist ending and falls in, right in line with what we're talking about today because... It's interesting, when Hope and I were talking about this subject, we started thinking about the movies we're going to include, and then we started kind of down a rabbit hole ourselves, like, is that a twist ending? What is a twist ending? What qualifies as a twist ending? And then, no, it isn't. And so that's part of the stuff that we're going to get to today.
0: Yeah, it's a funny thing. I don't know, Andy, if you had the same problem when you were coming up with your list, because at a certain point, I thought to myself, well, fuck, they're all twist endings. And then I'm like, no, no. None of them are twists. So so for a long time, I had the film Kill List on this list, A, because it's just a brilliant movie and we haven't talked about it in a while, and B, because I thought to myself, I did not see that ending coming. But then I thought, well, that doesn't make it a twist ending. That just makes it, I mean, I didn't see the middle coming. I didn't see the, it's just a really unusual and unpredictable movie. And that's really what made me rethink everything that I was considering. And I thought, well, what am I defining as a twist ending? It's a movie that you didn't. It's a. It's an ending you didn't see coming, but should have seen coming when you pulled your list together, Andy. What kind of was your? What parameters were you using? Yeah, kind of some,
2: similar along the lines, like an ending that, and in some of the cases, it kind of happens more in the middle of the movie. But it's like we're something. You know, you are going along with the story, and you already have an a, expectation that's going to end up a certain way. But then it ends up something totally different. Um, I think that's kind of where I was, uh, you know, thinking of, you know, making my list. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, horror movies, they can be predictable sometimes. But I think the ones that are the best, are the ones that are unpredictable, like what you were talking about. So I had a lot of fun putting together this list. Um, it's, you, you know, these are some of my favorite kinds of movies to watch. You know, the ones where just it just keeps you on your toes.
1: My criteria was pretty similar. But it's not just for me. It's not just it has to be unpredictable because you could make anything. Just throw anything in there. It has to work you know, within within the context of the movie. And then I think in the best times, it makes you think back about the little clues that are usually dropped along the way. And, oh, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. (laughs) And in so many of these movies, one in particular, it invites you to go back and watch it again, knowing what you know now. And then you'll see little breadcrumbs that were dropped along the way. And in many cases, they're brilliant breadcrumbs. So it can't just be unpredictable. It's got to work.
0: Yeah, what I wound up going with for mine was the idea that the filmmaker is playing with your preconceived notions of the genre. They you're you're following along and they've crafted a film that in in a lot of structural ways looks like other movies that you've seen with the intention of pulling the rug out from under you and and. You know, I think that in the best cases, those are incredibly satisfying. And like you said, George, they make you want to go back immediately and watch it and realize if I had just followed the clues that were there for me the whole time. But instead, it was like sleight of hand. I just watched what I thought I was supposed to be watching or noticing. And that was the point all along. So that's that's what I wound up going with myself. Because... Otherwise, you can, you know, like I said, kill list, Mandy, you know, the whole time you're like, damn, what? But that's not, that's a whole other, the what the fuck podcast. That was a whole other (laughs) one we did. Yeah, because
1: case in point, when, when you were saying that, I immediately thought of a movie that's not on this list with a good twist ending, and that is Split, because once you got to that ending, you realize he was playing with you the whole time. He knew that you were trying to figure out a twist ending because it's him. And he was playing with that the entire time and then came in and gave you something you totally didn't expect, and it was just freaking brilliant. So uh, he's, you know, he's known for that, and he's probably going to be on this list, <laughs> M. Night. But uh, that was one that I think qualifies, like you were saying, playing with your preconceived notions. So you know, in the end, you know what? It's like pornography. We know it when we see it, right? It's a <laughs> twist ending. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that in mind, let's get to it. We each have five, and they do not overlap, so that's fun. So we'll start with Andy, uh, your fifth best uh, twist ending. What do you got?
2: Well, my number five is Identity. What is it, Malcolm? Whores don't
0: get it. second chance.
2: With John Cusack. Yeah, from
1: 2003. That was James Mangold, who's done Logan and Walk the Line 310 to Yuma. Good filmmaker. And I remember seeing that one, the, uh, the big multiple personality reveal at the end.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that I was not expecting that, you know, I went in, you know, I was, I was all on board just for a, you know, run of the mill slasher movie. That's what it kind of, or murder mystery. That's kind of what it was shaping up to be, you know, when I walked into the theater. And then when you get this like more psychological thing happening, it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty inventive. And, And, you know, and like we said, you know, that happens more, the twist. If you want to call it that happens more towards the middle of the movie. But then like, you know, even like towards the end, there's like a second twist, you know, mm-hmm. I, so I I really enjoyed that.
1: And I think if we ever did a podcast about the rainiest horror movies, this would be number one. It's constantly <laughs>
0: pouring rain. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think it's funny because the fact that James Mangold was the one who made this movie, uh, to me, is one of the reasons why he assembled. This cast is crazy, right? I mean, so you got Cusack, obviously, John Hawks, Ray Liotta, Amanda Peet, John McKinley. And then for me, the thing that made it work the best was sort of the headspace we're inside of. It was the actor Pruitt Taylor Vince, right, who had only done before this movie Heavy. Uh, and he's done a lot. In fact, he was he was just in Devil's Candy a couple of years ago, and he's just got such a menacing, big lunk of a presence, and I just love him and everything. Rubberhead. He's he's Rubberhead.
1: Rubberhead from Nobody's Fool with Paul Newman and Bruce Willis. Not a horror movie, but ever since (laughs) that movie, every time we see him, oh, there's Rub. (laughs) That's his claim to fame. Maybe not, but yeah, that's a good one. The, uh, The multiple personality reveal. An identity. So that's your number five. And hope uh, I've lost my list. What's our number five?
0: Well, you know, it's not a great movie, but it's a movie that I've loved since I was very young. And it is nobody's going to tell me you saw this ending coming. And the, the other thing about it, it's an ending that people come back to. Like it's the reason people come back to the movie, and that's Sleepaway Camp. God, she's a boy.
1: Away yeah. Camp from 1983. It's uh, You're right. It's not a great movie, but oh, my Lord, <laughs> that ending. Especially, there was somebody, there was a friend of ours on social media not too long ago who had not seen it. And everybody's just going, are you serious? And then you're trying to think of ways. Oh, I can't say what you're going to But, man, when you get to it, it's just like your face is probably like his, her face at the end. That That freeze frame of that face, you're going, oh, no. Are you serious? And <laughs> that is a twist
0: it is and it's so fun and actually and we're not going to talk as you said a lot about the movies themselves i really like this whole movie i think it it toys with your expectations in the weirdest ways and in a, in 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 a, in a very realistic way he does set you up for this in a way i mean he you know you just can't possibly see it coming uh, and then, yeah, the face that Felissa Rose makes at the end of the movie as as Angela, who's just been mistaken for Angela all this time, is priceless. But also that body, you're like, what? You were hiding that body all this time?
1: <laughs> Apparently it was it was accomplished with a obviously nude man wearing a mask cast from uh, Felissa Rose's face that made that iconic image. And somehow this turned out to be, they didn't expect it to be such such a hit. It was a pretty big hit. It made more than 30 times what was spent on it at the time. And of course it spawned some awful sequels, awful sequels that don't have such twist endings. But boy, yeah, I'm actually surprised that this is only number five for you because I know how you love it.
0: <laughs> we always, when we point out the sequels, we like to mention you know, that Bruce Springsteen's sister stars exactly as Angela right. in the two sequels.
2: And I actually had the privilege of watching this unspoiled like I I first saw this like in the late 90s so it wasn't spoiled for me so I really appreciated that because I yeah I definitely didn't see it coming and and I think it's like you said it's one of those movies where you go back and watch it again there are some clues like especially towards the end they kind of have some of those kind of surreal scenes where it's like they're kind of weird but they kind of like point to what the ending's going to be
0: I love Aunt Martha Aunt Martha Desiree Gould she's my favorite character in the entire movie and yeah the whole time you're like Oh yeah Okay now I can see That you would do this Sure And
1: there, there, may or, <laughs> there may or may not Be truth to the rumor That this was Inspiration for Sheena was a man By Tone <laughs> Loke <laughs> <laughs> So Sleepaway Camp Is our number five In our twist endings uh, Moving up to number four For Andy Ooh this is a classic What do you got
2: Carnival of Souls The car's still over there And then a footprints Leading up to here And then nothing
1: 1962, yeah.
2: It's one of those movies where you know it—it kind of takes the whole—they were dead the whole time, you know—but it—it it takes that that twist. But this is like one of the first movies that did it, you know. And uh, so I—I I think that it's worthy of note because of that, just because of that fact. And I don't know, like, if you go back and watch through it, if it necessarily gives you like a ton of clues, but it kind of makes things make a little bit more sense, I think, with some of the things that she's seeing and experiencing, if you know what the twist is.
0: It's such a great movie. And the, the black and white, I think, adds to that nightmarish, like, what what is she seeing? What is she experiencing? And then it's the director, uh, Herc Harvey, who plays, like, the man is how he's listed, but that ghoul that follows her around. And it's, it's such bad makeup, the white face with the black eyes. But somehow, <laughs> it, especially, I think, because of the sort of Carnival setting, it works really well. It's so creepy, and and I also think that for a, it works for a horror film because by the time you realize, right, that that she is dead, she's been dead the whole time. You don't really know enough about her to know why this is where she ended up, but I don't think she was very a nice person in her life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we've talked about this one a couple of times on the podcast. We've talked about how influential. It has been over the years. I mean, you can see a lot of uh, a lot of the influence in many other horror movies from this one. And not just for that twist ending, but, you know, the way it looks, um, even if it is black and white. Black and white can be so striking sometimes.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. It's incredibly spooky looking, which is exactly the atmosphere that it needed for the whole thing to work.
1: Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Carnival of Souls from 1962. Our number four is from 1987, Alan Parker's Angel Heart.
0: The flesh is weak, Johnny. Only the soul is immortal.
2: And yours belongs to me. I got
0: my out! Dude, this is one we've never talked about before, so that's
1: exciting. That is cool. And this is one, you talk about clues. Now, I remember when I first saw it, I, I didn't guess it. But Robert De Niro's character's name is Louis Seferr. Um, that's a big clue. Why didn't I get that? Why didn't more people get it, really? But I don't think a lot of people did.
0: No, I think you're right. And one of the reasons that I've always wanted to add, Alan Parker uh, directed it, and he, and he, he wrote the screenplay based on a novel. He also, of course, as you know, he directed Pink Floyd's The Wall, which is hugely influential and near and dear to my heart. Also fame, which I like less. But the point is, I've always wanted to have this on here, and you're right that... The clues are there, and of course, one of the things that happens at the end, uh, once you realize that that Mickey Rourke's character is in fact the the person that Robert De Niro has hired to find, so he's Johnny Favorite, right? He is in fact Johnny Favorite, and and so at the end you get to see all of the murders take place that he has conveniently forgotten, and so it does kind of piece it together for you. But I it, I didn't feel at the time. As though, a lot of times when they do that, I feel like I'm being spoon-fed. And one of the reasons I think that it works as well as it does is because each one of those murders is so gory when he just drops yeah. that guy's head in the gumbo. I know, yeah. And so actually, it, it pushes, up until that. I think it's a really creepy atmospheric thriller, right? And then at the end, they're like, no, 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 you think this isn't a horror movie, you know, don't try the gumbo. <laughs>
1: Extra chunky, (laughs) and this is the one. If you remember, this is the one that got Lisa Bonet fired from the Cosby Show. Yes, I do. Yeah,
0: when it came out, it caused a lot of furor, and people thought it was supposed to should have had an X rating and everything, Um, which is interesting. But it's got such a great. Uh, atmosphere, just this unseemly kind of sweaty New Orleans vibe that yeah, I very sweaty. Very, and I and I love that. And I thought that Mickey Rourke was great in it. And the only other time we've talked about this was we did years ago the best Satan, the best on-screen Satan. Mm-hmm. And of course, De Niro has that iconic scene where he rolls the hard-boiled egg and then picks it off with these long manicured fingernails and then of course eats the egg. Well, it's so and it just sets you up for he's just not right. Well, that's a
1: clue right there because in that scene, he says in some religions, the egg is the symbol, symbol of the soul and then he eats it. Uh, mm. Louis <laughs> Sefer. So yes, <laughs> we should have seen that. It's it's like, come on, pay attention. Uh, but we didn't and a lot of people didn't and it was a good twist ending for Angel Heart in 1987. That was our number four. So we move up to number three for Andy's
2: favorite twist ending. Hit it. It is April Fool's Day from the 80s. It's, yeah, 86. Uh... 86. Yeah. <laughs> This is one of those movies that, you know, you think it's going to be a, you know, an 80s slasher, which I'm game for. But the ending, we get this twist where it was all just uh, like a huge prank, you know, a joke kind of thing. And uh, it was like a murder mystery party idea or something like that. But, um, yeah, no, it was it was a really cool ending that I did not see coming. You know, and in this time there was a bunch of like dead teenager movies coming out, you know. Uh, all these slasher movies coming out so this was like quite an unexpected twist
0: for me definitely it was it was actually sort of meta before meta was even a thing um and and it's funny because a lot of people point to this as the death of the slasher because in a lot of ways it it made the audience feel stupid that we always were flocking to these movies specifically so we could predict them like that really was a big draw in the 80s for the slashers is just figuring out you know what i mean if there's like a level of comfort and not scariness when you go into it, knowing you can figure out the pattern. And it's kind of perfect because it's called it's called April Fool's Day, right? And so it's like we should have known the whole time. And one of the things I love about it, too, is like to, so Deborah Foreman and Amy Steele are both like the leads in it. And those uh, those those two are such uh they were in every movie that came out in the 1980s. They really were. Of course, of course, Steele was in um, Halloween, too. She's the like the the last girl the final girl from halloween 2 amy steele she's in I'm, I'm i'm sorry Deborah Foreman is in everything my show fur she's in grizzlies 2 she's i mean she's in everything and of course she plays muffy and buffy in this one and it's it is it's really clever the way it picks up on little elements from uh so many different slashers and slaps them all together in a way that in the end which is what i think bothered people the time makes fun of you the audience because you just didn't see it coming even though they telegraph it from the very beginning and having it
1: be a prank is so much more effective than it was all a dream because (laughs) those aren't going to be on here that is the easiest cop-out as far as a writing prompt second only to they won the lottery uh, that's not going to work here, but uh, uh, this one does. Um, April Fool's Day from 1986, number three for Andy, and moving up to number three for uh, our favorite twist endings. This is one we've talked about a couple of times, and interesting because it was directed by the late great Bill Paxton from 2001, Frailty.
0: I'm an FBI agents, they'll come looking for me.
1: No, they won't.
2: They'll keep looking for Fenton.
1: You're going to be his last victim. God will protect me. This is one that makes you wonder why he didn't direct more movies. Not only is it a cool story, it's from a novel, but it's so well-directed.
0: It is. It's incredibly well-directed. And I think that, um, I mean, in the way the other films kind of play on your expectations, your genre expectations... You think so it's it's about, you know, the small town, very sweet dad who believes that he is being told by an angel of God who uh, demons that are dressed like people. And so he makes his sons go help him kill these demons. And his performance, uh, Paxton's performance is so wonderful because he's so empathetic. You really feel for him. And he wants so badly for his children to to sort of serve this higher purpose, even though it's so hard for them to see what they're doing. And because you're you're sort of conditioned in horror movies, especially sort of post the 80s, to think that the movie is skewering organized religion, which this movie see, feels like it is doing well the whole time, and that's the twist. At the end, no, he's right. He was right all along. They can see demons, and one of the boys is a demon, and that's why he can't see demons. And it's just a gut punch, but it's so well done.
1: Yeah, not only is that the twist, but the twist is of the identity of who's been telling this story the whole time. And it's, you think he's it's one of the kids telling it to the police, the mm-hmm. lawman played by Powers Booth. And then you find out no, it's not him, it's the other one and Powers Booth is in trouble. So it's a it's a double twist there and I love that line when Bill Peck says, "You're not a demon, are you?" And you're like, "Oh." Yeah. It's like either get with the program here, <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's it works on two different levels and uh, really, really effective. It's, it's Matthew McConaughey yep. and uh, everybody's
2: strong. Even the two kids. The two kids are They're good.
0: They're So good they are. They're so good. Yeah, this is a
2: really good one. Uh, I remember you know seeing the theater back when it first came out, and uh, yeah, it's one of those movies where you're thinking, well, like like you said, you know, you're thinking that the twist is going to be whether or not he's actually killing demons or not. But then it turns out. There's that double twist. And that, so that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This was a great movie. Like you said, I wish Bill Paxton would have, like, you know, expanded a little bit more, done a little bit more directing in his career.
1: Yeah, and then once you realize what his real identity is and then you realize how he's going to get away with it, he's got this – he has had it set up from the beginning that no one had really seen – his face and to say that no that's not him you know he can't be that way No, he's going to get away with it really really works well frailty our third favorite twist ending and we're making time here we're going up to number two this is one i don't think either one of us had seen it so you surprised us with this one you're number two andy what is it
2: this one is uh, called final prayer i've seen that symbol before yes in the pagan times
1: the evil isn't inside the church
2: it's underneath it it's also called the borderlands you know i think overseas this one uh i think is like early like mid 2000s 2013 yeah 2013, like that, or, yeah, 2013 20, that's 2013, right yeah but this is a this is a found footage movie and the thing i like about it is you know and we're talking about movies that kind of defy our preconceptions this movie starts out like okay this is going to be another paranormal activity found footage movie blah 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 but where this movie goes at the end i mean no one's going to see this, this coming I, you know it, it, it definitely takes a turn towards lovecraft um which i really enjoyed um and just the ending was just totally bonkers i you know so i mean this is this is and it's such a and it's like i know it's higher up on my list but it's not a well-known movie but i think I wanted to kind of bring this because I want more people to know about this movie because I think it is such a really cool twist.
0: Yeah, like George said, we've not seen this before. So thank you for bringing this to our attention. And I'm I'm particularly sorry I didn't see it because uh, a year or so ago I reviewed a film called At the Devil's Door, which basically is this same movie. So that's unfortunate that I hadn't already seen this one so I could call them oh, okay. on that. And it bears a little bit of a resemblance also to The Nun. So it's, you know, the the Vatican has sent some representatives to a church to find out whether or not there's a miracle happening there. And in fact, of course, it's, it's demonic in its origins. It's not God. It's not sent from God. Tell me if you notice this, Andy. I'm partway through this movie. I swear to God, the guy, the lead, the one who's not part of the clergy, he's like the IT guy there. Does he sound exactly like John Oliver to you?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean—
0: I was so distracted by that. And I have to admit that I'm not sure that I had a prediction of what would happen, but I don't know. Again, spoilers, right? Uh, I loved um, that they got sort of... I'm claustrophobic, so that ending was really powerful and horrible, but tell me what you thought was going to happen that that seemed like such a twist. I mean, I guess the basic premise is that they were going to die in that basement, wasn't necessarily a huge surprise. The way they executed it was, I thought, great. But what about it was such a surprise to you?
2: Yeah, I think for me, like, I wasn't expecting, like, I don't know, I guess I was, you, know, you kind of expect the whole ghost angle to it. Um, you know, and they're, they're going down in these catacombs or whatever. But I think, like, when it turns into, they're actually in the stomach of some, you know, creature. That's what I liked about the twist. It's more like, it turned into more of like this, lovecraftian creature thing that lives underground Got you. that you know, and it's like this old god that the uh people there in the town are worshiping or whatever i i think that that's and it, to me like because when, when i think of like paranormal movies i think of like okay this is just like a demonic thing and, and i guess maybe i'm separating demons from whatever this old god was like sure and, and i guess it, it could be in this they could fall into the same camp but i think with like but most paranormal movies the threat is supernatural or something that's like not material like something that's not physical there's no there's only no i don't know so like this there was actually some kind of physical like creature that they run across or that they end up <laughs> being digested by i think that was that was a twist that i appreciated
0: i think
1: does does the monster have a name we can mispronounce <laughs>
2: Hmm. Yeah, I don't I
0: don't, think, I, don't yeah, know, I don't know. Don't, if ever, it's got like, a symbol, but I don't know. But it's funny that you say that because right. it's another one where they do give you clues. And there's a, the conversation between the guy who sounds like John Oliver and then Deacon, the sort of representative from the church that we like. And uh, John Oliver character, who's not religious, is like, you know, I don't know. Pagans worshipped physical things, things that exist. Maybe the sun, maybe the stars, but it was a real physical thing, and if I had to put the two up against each other, I might have to side with the physical thing as opposed to this made up belief system that you have, and you don't really know how important that conversation is until the end of the movie and it is it, you know it is one of those great examples where you have the clues the whole time you're just not putting them together
2: yeah yeah it's it's, it's a great i mean it's it's a really cool like found footage type movie in it and like you said you mentioned those other At the Devil's Door and uh, the no, I'm going to definitely have to check those movies out if they're kind of like this one.
1: So number two for Andy Final Prayer from 2013 moving up to our number two this is from 2001 we've talked about it a couple of times we love this one it is Nicole Kidman and the Others.
0: Children if you're dead why do you remain in this house? We're not dead! <gasps> dead. We're not dead! We're not dead! On,
1: We're not... This one is based on an episode of the British television series Armchair Theater. And it's not only Nicole Kidman, but the two little kids are great. And, of course, the big reveal here is that they're worried. They're in this old house, and they're worried that they're being haunted by spirits and then the twist at the end is no you are the spirits and they are being they are being called by a séance going on in the house so i didn't see it coming and it's a good reveal and her reaction to it as a character Nicole Kidman's reaction to it as a character is great
0: she's one of i mean she's she's really one of the greatest just actors working today but she's so good when she's playing like a brittle Character, And that's really what this is. It's it's it reminded me for a long time of another film that I love, The Innocence, where you're not sure, like, is this woman just nutty or is is her house really haunted, you know, and and they plant that seed because she's decided that her children have this allergy to sunlight. Uh, and you think I think you're crazy and you're just keeping your children inside. And how weird is that? But she's constantly closing all th- and then they're being opened and it, and it leads you to believe the whole time that the house is haunted when in reality, when you look at it after the fact they're haunting a house. So it's like (laughs) the people who live there now, every time they walk into a room, the door is closed and locked and the the curtains are closed, even though they keep opening them up. And it's, it just is so effective on that level. But like you said, the performances of, of the ghosts who are afraid that they're being haunted, who don't realize they're ghosts really, really powerful.
2: This is a great movie. Um, I think that it's, you know like I didn't really see the ending coming um I didn't I wasn't really expecting a twist with this movie I was expecting you know just a straightforward you know haunted house movie so i I appreciated the fact that there was that twist thrown in there and like you said nicole Kimmons great the acting was great the the set pieces you know the setting was great this big you know kind of gothic house very
1: the whole thing and, is so yeah. gothic yeah I love the yeah. look of it the 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 uh, production design is great
2: yeah it's 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 definitely one to check out if people haven't seen it. And
1: that is well. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we gave you the obnoxious spoiler alert sound at the beginning, uh, but it has a nice twist, and that's why it's our number two. Which means uh, there's only one left for Andy, and it's oh, you know, it's pretty much a classic.
2: Yeah, and that is Scream from 1996. Corn syrup, same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. <laughs>
0: Surprise,
2: Sydney. And I, you know, I think that uh, the more we talk about movies of the twist, maybe this is like not a huge twist, but I don't know. I think if, this is just like an instrumental movie for me. Like, this is the movie that where I fell in love with the slasher genre because of this movie and, mm-hmm. and just the whodunit aspect of it. And I think they do some really cool things with this movie, obviously. I mean, every, it, everybody's, t- you know, talked about it to death, but I think that the identity of the killers is interesting because we spend so much time with the killers throughout the movie. You really get to kind of get a sense of who these people are as people. And then you find out they're killers. And I think, you know, with the typical slasher, the mass killers, like this inhuman, just killing machine, but in Scream, it's kind of turned on its head. And it's like these teenage kids that are doing stupid stuff, but then, you know, they're, they're serial killers as well. So I think it's such a great, twist for me you know with this movie as an example of the slasher genre
1: yeah well this is another one where it's hard to think about it without the cultural significance that it has gotten since 96 it's become such a well-earned piece of pop culture and you think about when you saw it when it first came out it was it's so brilliantly put together it's so meta we're talking about meta this is meta 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 and it's a love letter to the slasher and it's another indication of of the brilliance of Wes Craven how he kind of reinvented the genre over and over again throughout his career and now it's just become it's like one of those classic rock songs you've heard a million times and you don't appreciate it till one day you really listen to it again and appreciate how how well, this movie is put together, leading up to that reveal of who the killers really are
0: and one of the things it 's funny to me now that it predicted right was sort of this i mean it hasn't really been until the last ten years or so where the idea that people kill people for fame right and and with the rise of social media you've got great brilliant movies like Tragedy Girls, right, but this really predicted that movement because that's why the two characters did it in the first place was to, to to become infamous and um and i don't think a, a film had done that before they've it's happened a lot since then but it's just another like you said another example of wes craven just, just sort of determining the the trajectory of his whole genre
2: yeah and, and i think he you know he's he's definitely somebody that has you got i mean you got to give credit where credit is due this guy wes craven he's kind of like created like what two or three different franchises within his career you know like each, you know, the, he had, he had the, like the Hills Have Eyes or Your Last House on the Left, and then you have Nightmare on Elm Street, which was a huge, huge success and huge defining movie within the horror genre. And then you have Scream on top of all that. You know, I think is definitely something to give him credit for. Oh, no doubt
1: about that. No doubt. Uh, Scream is Andy's number one, and that leaves room at the top for our number one. And we kind of left our own clues about what this would be early on, talking about M. Night, of course, from 1999, The Sixth Sense. Yes. <laughs> I see dead people how iconic is that line i mean this is one this is the one i think more than any other fueled people to go back that's why this movie made so much money because it got so many people going back again after they got that that bruce willis was dead the whole time i gotta see it again and see the clues he left and there are plenty of them
0: and in a big way this kind of created a problem for jamaline as a filmmaker uh which he has you know years later started to resolve by toying with the expectation that he is going to give you a twist a twist ending. I think when he did the visit, you know, uh he he did it and as you said again with split, he did it again. This movie, The Sixth Sense, it's 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 not in the same way that Scream is because I think people appreciate that Scream is a great movie. I think people have decided in retrospect that that The Sixth Sense isn't a great movie but but it actually is it really invests in character it's incredibly incredibly spooky the fact that it's told through the point of view of a child just makes you you know your stomach is just clenched the whole time either because you feel so sad for a little kid or because you remember how easy it was to be terrified of everything when you were little. And again, I mean, he does. He gives you all the clues. And I know there are loads of people who are like, oh, "I saw it. nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. I don't believe it. It was just really, really well resolved in a way that, um, like you said, just invited you to go back through the film again.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is we had a friend uh, point out to a few people on social media about the movie Us, that She said, don't look at the soundtrack listing because there's a song title in the soundtrack listing for the movie Us that is is a bit of a giveaway. And we looked at it and it kind of is, not as much as this one, because on the soundtrack to Sixth Sense at the time, there is a track called Malcolm is Dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is a spoiler, <laughs> which I know at the time people probably weren't flocking to get the soundtrack. But the soundtrack to Us is very cool. Uh, love. That's one of the great things about the movie Us. The 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 music they use and the sounds, just fantastic. But we digress. We're talking about the Sixth Sense. It's got to be when people talk about twists. It's got to be one of the granddaddies. I mean, I know there are a bunch out there. You could point to Psycho and a, and a bunch of identity movies. But the fact that they were dead the whole time has been used in in other movies. But this one, it just it just pulled the rug out.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's uh, such a great movie, and you know, it's, it's such a like you said, it really not uh m night shonlon really set the bar high for himself for the rest of his movies and i think you know unfortunately that kind of led led to some disappointment down the line with some of his later efforts because i think people were i know me myself every movie that he came out with i was expecting some kind of twist mm-hmm. and when and when it didn't happen when it doesn't happen like with signs or with uh i don't even like lady in the water like you know there was no real twist rather yeah. in Um, and so that was a little disappointing, but I think, you know, he does have some, you know, at the village, I appreciate that for that twist and also even unbreakable, which not necessarily like a twist, but I think when you see like at the end of the movie, when you see a kind of the formation of what he's setting up, the Mm -hmm. world he's building, you really appreciate that.
1: Oh yeah. But anyway, love, love the end of unbreakable. And also the visit, the little movie that kind of got from a few years ago, that kind of got him back in the groove after some horrible disappointments. A little movie called The Visit about some kids that go to uh, visit their grandparents. That one has one, uh, a, a twist. We're not going to give away because it's not on the list. But And that's one where you just really kick yourself walking out. How did I not see this coming? But you <laughs> don't. And it's fun. It's not a great movie, but uh, that's a fun one. That kind of got him, got him back in the groove and then, of course, split. And, and and he got back in people's good graces. But this is the one. I think you're right. It set up a bar that was awful hard for him to meet as long as he was too concerned with meaning it, I think, in movies like um the the Village and things like that um, it's it kind of got diminished returns after a while,
2: yeah, yeah, I agree,
1: yeah, say what you will about glass. we thought it was pretty good, you know, not as good, it certainly doesn 't deliver the punch that the end of split does, but I still think he 's a filmmaker to be to be considered, and I think he 's maybe learned a few things from the movies that were horrible disappointments after, you know, a few movies after uh, The Sixth Sense. But this is the one that put him on everybody's radar 1999. I see dead people, which, by the way, was voted. Let me find it. Uh, it was voted as one of the 100 greatest movie lines by Premier Magazine in 2007. I mean, that's all you got to say, right? I see dead people. It was
0: also yeah. nominated for Oscar for Best Picture, for Best Director, for Best Screenplay. I mean, it was it was taken very seriously, and I think almost to its detriment. Because, again, I, I feel like people look back on it like, ugh, whatever. But it's, you know, it's worth revisiting.
1: And uh, that is 10... 10- Ten good ones. Ten twists ending. So, if you have any that we missed, or if you have some that you want to uh, argue about, that's not really a twist. We're ready for you. You can always find us on Twitter. We are at Fright Club Pod. Always love to keep the conversation going. And other social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews of all kinds of movies and our other weekly podcast uh, called The Screening Room. That's all there at MadWolf.com. And by the way, if you're in the central Ohio area, we're now on the TV.
0: We are. We are on Good Day Columbus uh, every Friday at 9.30 where we do a quick few minutes discussion of the movies that are coming out this weekend
1: and we give away all the twist endings every time (laughs) no but we do give away tickets to gateway film center (laughs) we do give away tickets to our favorite gateway film center so andy where can they find you on the social media
2: i'm on twitter and facebook on twitter i'm at black cat podcast facebook you just look up uh black shadow but yeah black cat shadow podcast those are the two main areas for social media yeah look me up Check out our episodes. We're right now we're doing like a uh, series on serial killers, so we're kind of exploring that their lives and also movies that have been based on their lives. So it's 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 interesting.
0: It sounds good. Yeah, that's always a that's always a great topic. And then coming up, we have the the next Fright Club live. It's going to be April 10th, right back at the Gateway Film Center, and we're going to show this is our classic for the year. We're going to show Daughters of Darkness, which is going to be glorious to see on a big screen. And our topic for the podcast is lesbians in horror. And then after that, the next the, the next one that isn't live, we're gonna have we're really excited to have Daniel Baldwin of Bloody Disgusting joining us, and we're gonna talk about dirty hippies.
1: <laughs> dirty hippie horror. <laughs> All right, man. We're gonna be putting on our beads and headbands and uh, getting into the mood there. So a lot of good stuff coming up for Andy and for us as well. So get in touch if you can. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. And he is Andy Ussery. Take us out. Stay frightful, my friends.